Welcome to the Prospector Podcast, a bi-weekly production bringing you the minor perspective. Welcome back to a new episode of the Prospector Podcast. This is Anna Diaz here to recap some of the top stories uploaded on our website, theprospectordaily.com. In news, reporting Kristen Schaffer talks to Anadeli Bencomo, the new dean of the College of Liberal Arts. In arts and culture, photographer Roman Carr captures a new celebration in El Paso, Pugchella. The event brought festivities and relaxation opportunities for pugs and their owners. And in sports, editor Emily Autumn Velasquez gives us a rundown of the top sport films that have reinvented the cinema game. This includes Rocky, Karate Kid, and most recently, King Richard. You can read these stories and more at theprospectordaily.com. The following story was written by Kristen Schaffer. UTIP Student Engagement and Leadership Center hosted the first student film festival April 9th at the Union Cinema and provided students, no matter their major, an opportunity to show their work. Among the films shown, there were four categories the films were critiqued on, Best Storytelling, Best Cinematography, Minor's Choice, and Overall Best Picture. So uh, a few months ago, uh, the Student Engagement and Leadership Center uh, wanted to uh, create a a space for some up-and-coming filmmakers, student filmmakers here on this campus. And so the idea was to put this uh, film festival together to let some of our students that are interested in that medium to be able to showcase some of the work. Said Jaime Mendez, Assistant Dean of Students. Some of the criteria the judges were looking for in these films included visual attributes, such as editing and cinematography, audio attributes such as music, sound recording of dialogue, and determining if the storyline was compelling and engaging, according to Greg Beam, an associate professor in communication. Martin Renova's film, Mexican Dream, won both Best Cinematography and overall Best Picture. Renova is a digital media productions major, and he classified his piece as a mockumentary. Mexican Dream replicates the story of a border crossing, initiating a twist with undocumented people traveling to Mexico from places like the United States. His film shows Mexico reacting just like America does to undocumented people coming from Honduras and Cuba, showcasing hypocrisy. Of, of Mexican Dream, I want to make something funny because it's funny to see an American working as a gardener in, in Mexico but also to create a, a message, you know, to the people and, and say why, why, why us as Mexicans, we also treat the people that come from the outside the same way. Although this was Renova's first film festival as a director, Renova has collaborated with others as a first assistant director in the El Paso Media Film Fest and wishes to continue producing films. Fernanda Ponce's piece, The Art of Living, won the Best Storytelling Award. Her film is considered a short story. Ponce is a digital media productions major and said her films seem to be telling a story that she herself seemed to be leaning from her professor, who encouraged her to enter the film into the festival. Um, so I wanted to go with something simple, and my piece is about like how a little bit of encouragement goes a long way and how like even though you feel hopeless for a while, someone can come in and give you a little bit of hope and motivation for you to do the thing that you always wanted to do. Bones has said the film festival gave her the confidence to participate in other festivals and hopes to continue producing documentaries after graduation. Bones's win comes just weeks after Jane Campion's win for Best Director at the Oscars, making Campion the seventh woman to be nominated and the third to win, according to NBC. 
Women make up about 21% of directors, editors, and cinematographers, producers, executive producers, and writers in the top 100 grossing films of 2020, according to a study by Martha M. Lawson. And I'm not trying to say that it's not important to have, you know, ample representation. Yes, it is. I think it, it, you got to have representation all around. And I think it's great to see that on the female side that more and more are taking on that craft because I think we have to have that voice. This is Maria Guerrero reporting for The Prospector. As Earth Day approaches on April 22nd, the Zindinial Museum and Chihuahua Desert Garden are hosting the Smithsonian's Institution's Travel Exhibit Waterways, hoping to raise awareness of how we depend on water not only for regular consumption, but for everyday needs. From March 5 through June 25, students are invited to attend the interactive exhibit that explains the various uses of water, such as the manufacturing of clothing, religious rituals, trade, recreational activities, and agriculture. As the world's largest museum, research, and education complex, the Smithsonian's institution raises questions such as how do Americans use water, how is water represented in our society, and in what ways do we use water as a symbol, according to the Smithsonian's website. So it's really telling that national story. Um, uh, and then our, we're telling more of a local story. But I think that, you know, there's there's things, it's, they complement each other. So we're talking about, the Smithsonian exhibit talks about watersheds. Um, so there's a little section that talks about where people are getting their water and how a watershed connects us. Said Centennial Museum in Chihuahua Desert Director Daniel Carey Wallen. The exhibit invites the audience to reunite with their connections to water by listing places where water is used recreationally, such as Rio Bosque, Azcarate Lake, and Hueco Tanks. According to the exhibit's website, the purpose is for people to appreciate the beauty and richness of water, especially in the desert region. Dealing with water and the, in the Southwest um, is just, it's such a big topic. It's such an important topic. And, you know, it, it, it's one that I think um, really is going to define us in the future, especially as we're having these, these kind of mega droughts, um, as global climate change keeps, keeps exacerbating weather patterns. Um, we're just not getting the water that we used to get. During the exhibit, the public can learn about El Paso Water's plan for a more sustainable future by hoping to increase water sources by about 50% by 2050. The methods discussed are the expansion of desalination plants to use brackish water and more advanced purification methods to treat wastewater. Kerry Wallen said he has lived in El Paso for 10 years and recognizes the job that El Paso Water has been doing. According to Kerry Wallen, El Paso is home to the largest inland desalination plant and deals with two major problems in the area, not having enough water and the salinity of water. The desalination of water is going to allow El Pasoans to get more drinkable water from brackish water. The exhibit also focuses on the actions that have been taken to help the natural environment survive through the scarcity and pollution of water. The restoration of natural habitat in the Rio Bosque Wetlands Park has increased biodiversity and now more birds, coyotes, bobcats, and beavers can be spotted in the region. Not only has the fauna recovered, but flora too. Comparative images from 1997 to 2019 are part of the exhibit to show how the restoration project has brought life back to the river channels in the region. To make the exhibit more dynamic and entertaining for the audience, 
Visitors can find booklets, objects such as a view master with travel reels, Native American ceramic jars, 3D maps of the region, and interactive displays. A touchscreen is included with information on topics regarding how water has influenced art, its relation to spirituality, descriptions of deep ocean environments, among other fun facts. We want everyone to visit the exhibits. Uh, we think they're, they're both great. You know, so many of our problems aren't going to be solved by technology. They're going to be solved by people, right? We've got to get people in the same room and figure out, well, how can we, you know, this pie isn't going to be getting any, any bigger. How can we help? The Zintinia Museum and Exhibit are open to the public from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday with no admission fees. For more information about the exhibit, visit the Zintinia Museum's website and the Smithsonian's institution website. Welcome back to the Prosby's Top 5. This is the Prosby's Top 5 Entertainment Activities to attend in the month of May. If you're searching for the perfect Mother's Day gift, head on over to Placita Madrid on May 1st, located at Main Street San Elisario from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The plaza will feature special Mother's Day-inspired art, including wooden metalwork, handsome aprons, honey and peppered relishes, and more. Next, the Grammy-nominated global music sensation Celtic Woman is thrilled to return in 2022 with a brand new show, Postcards from Ireland, at the Plaza Theatre at 7.30pm on May 1st. The Borderland Beer Fest is also happening May 1st at Durango Street in El Paso from 2pm to 12am. Join Dead Beach Brewery for a free admission craft beer festival featuring craft breweries from across the region. The festival will have live music including DJ stages, food trucks, an artisan vendor market, live artists and more. The festival is open to all ages. Speaking of beverages, at La Union, New Mexico, La Viña Winery will be presenting its Spring Wine Festival Saturday, April 30th and Sunday, May 1st from noon to 7 p.m. Over 20 wines will be available for tasting and purchase. Adult admission to the festival is $20 and includes a souvenir glass and a choice of six wines or a glass of wine. There is a $10 admission for 12 to 20 years of age, and those under the age of 12 will be admitted free. Finally, Mexican singer and actress Aida Cuevas will be performing live rancheras on Thursday, May 19th at 8.30 p.m. at Utah McGoffin Auditorium. Tickets can be found on Ticketmaster and range from $70 to $260. Well, there you have it. We hope these Prosby Top 5 tips will keep you entertained in the month of May. Let us know what you're doing by emailing us at prospector at utep.edu. This is Alison Rodriguez reporting for The Prospector. Visually impaired student urges accessibility from UTEP. The Americans with Disability Act, or ADA Limits, was passed in 1990. It is a civil rights law that prohibits discrimination based on disability. Because of this law, people with disabilities can now require extra services to help them at work and at school. UTEP has many offices that offer help to students with disabilities. These offices include the Center for Accommodations and Support Services, CAS, the Equal Opportunity Office, EOO, and the recently created ADA Advisory Committee. 
According to the CAST website, it provides students with disabilities accommodations and support services to help them pursue academic, graduation, and career goals. The Equal Opportunity Office is committed to providing equal opportunity to all employees and individuals seeking employment or access to its programs, facilities, or services, and will not discriminate against a person because of race, color, national origin, sex, religion, age, genetic information, veteran status, sexual orientation, gender identity, and disability. The new ADA Advisory Committee meets once a month to discuss accommodations. UTEP Masters in Leadership Studies student Almicar Marquez has been visually impaired since he was 21 years old. He was involved in a shooting incident which caused him to lose sight in both of his eyes. But he did not let his loss of sight stop him from pursuing his dreams of being a pastor and getting his degree in his late 60s. Acquiring his degree at UTEP has not been an easy journey. The greatest challenge that he faces at UTEP is many people can't see past his disability, he said. They are stifled by his disability and focus on what he doesn't have instead of what he can offer. Marcus said he has endured many experiences like this at UTEP. To provide for his wife and two small children, Marcus has applied to different work-study positions at UTEP, but says he was not given a fair chance because all the interviewers focused on was his inability to see and not all the skills that he has to offer. Because people's perspective of a blind person it's very limited. There is nothing in the books. One of the positions that he applied for was a janitorial position in the dorm rooms. While he was explaining to the interviewer all the attributes that he could bring to the position, the interviewer asked how he'd manage broken glass. Marcus responded that he would simply just pick it up. And yet, I handled broken glass before and I picked up broken glass before because we live in a world that there is glass that's going to be, and yet I don't see no problem, you know. So they're limited in their knowledge of what a blind person can do and what a blind person cannot do. Marcus later applied for a work-study position. The interviewer then asked him, you do know that you will have to make copies on a copier. And right there, well, that's it, you know. I'm going to have to do copies of what I can't see. Instead of saying, if you do get hired, I'm sure you're going to need some assistance with a copier. Marcus also faced obstacles in the classroom and is currently facing the challenge of not graduating with his master's degree due to him not being able to acquire a teacher's aid position, which is a requirement to graduate. CAS has many plans on how to help visually impaired individuals at UTEP. It plans to collaborate with more UTEP faculty to help make materials more accessible to blind students. CAS also wants its whole staff to be trained in how to use more assisted technology such as JAWS, which is a screen reader. Thank you for joining us on this week's new episode of the Prospector Podcast. Join us next time for an all-new Miner's Perspective.